Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer. And today is February 10th, and this is episode 29. And I'm joined today on this episode by Eric Dahlman. Eric is the creator of Gene Grafter, a Kickstarter project that, as of this recording, is about to end in 12 hours. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me over. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, for my listeners that might not know who's, who've listened to the show, Eric is the first in-studio guest that we've had, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. There's a, Here in the Bay Area, we're in the San Francisco Bay Area, there seem to be quite a few gamers and Kickstarter people, if we want to, I don't know what we call them, Kickstarters? Kickstarters. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Eric, about you being here. Uh, when I say being here with Gene Grafter, Gene Grafter right now, let's do the numbers, uh, 260 backers, $13,637 raised so far, and you have 12 hours to go. Your initial funding goal was $2,500. Tell us, how, how did you get here? I mean, this is, this is successful. As I, uh, as I euphemistically say, you're the number one ranked card game, most funded card game in 2012. Yeah, I can't complain. Uh, you set a goal at 2500 and you break that five times. You know, it's, it's so, so what happened? How did you get here? Where did this game come from? And kind of what challenges did you face getting it uh, to this stage of Kickstarter? Well, actually getting here was kind of a long process. You figure it started as a video game, and then it kind of morphed into the card game that it is now. And there's been some other work that's been going on kind of behind the scenes during that process. But um, yeah, I pretty much started on a video game, started looking at game mechanics. Um, as I was working on the game mechanics, I started creating cards. As I started playing with the cards, I started seeing another game within a game kind of thing. And uh, that's when I started pretty much putting Gene Grafter out as you can see it today. Okay. And what we see today when we look at this, we see a project with high-end artwork. Tell us about the artwork, because when you look at your video, when you look at the artwork, you're seeing a game that, is, you know, we've seen, not to talk about other people's Kickstarter projects, but this seems to have some high-quality artwork. Uh, how did you accomplish that? If somebody's looking to do their own card game, what advice can you give them about the artwork side of things? Because that seems to be so critical to the success of the, sh of the, of the of the game yeah I would say just in general um, you're always going to want to put a lot of time and effort into your art direction um, so what'd you do well when I started this as a video game I actually hired an art director and he was in charge of kind of the general theme and getting all the artists together that were going to put everything together and, and make it look good and so I kind of piggybacked off of the artwork that I had from that originally and um, started adapting it for the, the card game. So I was lucky that I had a lot of the, the art kind of already in place. And where did these get, uh, where did you find your artists? Um, the internet is usually where I start. So that the internet's pretty big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Um, there's different uh, gaming websites like gamedev.net was a big one where um, over the years I've kind of been hiring people for different projects. And so now I've kind of got um, a few guys that are kind of like my go-to guys, and, and I always try and take care of them, and they always take care of me. So, so gamedev.net, you go out there, you posted uh, the desire for, you're looking for some talent around the artwork? Yeah, originally that's where I found them, and that's primarily a, a video game community. Okay. All right, and so then the game has developed. Now, As you, when did you make the decision to take this to Kickstarter? It was probably about, 
I started thinking about it about three months before I actually launched the project. And I started watching all these other projects, and I, I kept telling my girlfriend, I was like, um, I was like, I could do that. Yeah. Um, I was like, I think, I think the art that I've got um, looks really good compared to some stuff that I've seen. Um, I kind of had the benefit of, of having some of the, the capital to put into it up front. Um, and that's the thing, the, the money that people see now, they see the number and they're like, oh, you got almost 14,000. It's like, yeah, but there's probably a good 20 or 30,000 that's been put in before that okay. just to get to this point. All right, so when people see this, uh, you put it out there. Now, I remember when this came on uh, online, you got some immediate feedback about your project and made some changes immediately, uh, right? Yeah, I've actually had a pretty good um, community <laughs> giving me input along the way. Um, the first thing was the logo, and I was still in the process of trying to nail down a logo, and there was quite a bit of feedback on that. Um, the logo, when we're talking about, we're talking about the Gene Grafter, because you've got that DNA uh, double helix kind of interwoven into the name. Yeah, and before it was really kind of two separate entities, and and it was very hard to see, especially like the G in the middle. Right, um, which threw me because I always thought it was Gene Crafter, and it wasn't until you changed the logo that I realized that that was a G and not a C in the middle. Yeah, and I got that quite a bit, which yeah. is one of the big catalysts for, for getting that change quickly. Gene Grafter. Yep. Okay, and then uh, how did you go about figuring out – this is the uh, – this is a pretty big challenge. How do you figure out what you're going to give your backers and how much money you're going to raise? The main thing I did was look at all the other projects that I backed and the rewards that I liked. Okay, so so what you're saying, the pro, how many projects have you backed out on Kickstarter? Um, I think I'm at 69 or 70 right now. 69 or 70 projects, you back them, and you kind of see what they're doing, figure that out. Yeah. All right. So I basically looked at those, and I kind of had a progression of how I thought I was going to do the stretch rewards. Um, didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> like Why? Um, just, I've, it seems like a lot of assumptions that I made going in um, weren't correct. Like so, what? What assumptions did you make? Well, I think a lot of people think that or when you're going to put something out on Kickstarter that it's just this magic site that will automatically give you exposure and everyone will see it and think it's a great idea and start giving you cash and that's not how it works there's um quite a bit of legwork that goes on like what um, advertising um i probably spent one to up to three hours a day <clears throat> writing updates um twitter i never used twitter before actually you were the one that helped i me was <laughs> i was your first follower on twitter that's true i i, I feel proud how many followers do you have now um over 200 probably yeah. around 215 okay. right well there you go you're popular so Twitter was one. You still don't have a Facebook account. No, someone was supposed to help me with that. Yeah, that was uh, I was going to help you with that too, and I um, that we all get busy. So <laughs> that's cool. But it, you got your, worked out. You got your Twitter account. You've yep. got this uh, board game geek. How much time did you spend on board game geek? Quite a bit, actually. Um, I had never used the site extensively before. I looked at it once or twice. Um, user interfaces. It was a little rough as a, as a first-time user, but um, once you get in there, there's a really big community of all kinds of people. You've got game designers, <clears throat> players, you know, lots of people willing to give you feedback, whether right. they want it or not. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so, uh, and then uh, some of the other challenges you were faced with. Well, before we go there, I was interested, because you'd put so much money into this project, and you settled on a goal for $2,500. Why did you pick that number? 
Uh, well, there's a few reasons. Um, I guess one is kind of the psychological aspect of if you've got a lower threshold, it's easier to, to hit that. And one thing I've noticed in other projects is that if the goal is too big, people think that it's not achievable. And so they just hang back and they don't do anything. There's, they're always kind of waiting for somebody else to step up and make something happen. And if you have too big of a number, then everyone waits so long that you've never hit that number. So for me, I was kind of planning on putting the money into it anyway. And so I was really trying to offset as much of that cost as possible. So if you had, if, if the psychological issue hadn't been there and you could have picked the number you wanted to pick, what would you, what number would you, did you have in your head that, okay, I hope I raise this much money? Well, the problem is, is I was looking at this about the same time D-Day Dice was out. Oh, okay. So I didn't know if they were taking all the money at that point, which they kind of were just before the holiday season. Yep. So I, I feel really fortunate that I raised as much as I did, given all of the factors that I had going against me at the time. So we're, let's list off some of those factors so listeners can understand what we're talking about. Okay. Um, first of all, when I started, I didn't even have the rule book online which was huge that turned a lot of people off okay i hadn't done any advertising up front um it wasn't until after i launched kickstarter and i realized that i wasn't going to get the traffic just from being on kickstarter that i expected so then i had to start lining up advertising and i was lucky enough to catch a spot on board Gangi with a contest which was a huge help um ran some bulletin board yeah you know banner ads and stuff right. as well um what I, are the challenges didn't have didn't have all the card templates posted. Um, didn't have the logo completely done. Um, or some other things. The rewards uh, I would do differently. <laughs> I, I offered... well, and we'll talk about that in a little okay. bit later on the show about the rewards because that's a that was a big challenge. And I know you have I you and I have talked over the length of this project, and that's been some of the things that you've really uh, worked on. Uh, what about now? When did you launch? When so you you're twelve hours? When did you launch? Sixty days ago. 60 days. Yeah. Uh, what we're discovering, now Kickstarter says the average successful project is 30 days, but what we're discovering, um, AJ Porfirio, I think, AJ, I apologize for not mispronouncing your name, Van Ryder Games, he's done some pretty good research out on Kickstarter, and excuse me, on Board Game Geek about Kickstarter, and he's shown that board game projects tend to be more successful the longer they run beyond that 30 days. I also think that I made so many mistakes in the first 30 days. I don't feel like my campaign really started until day 30. Okay. And that's a, and you're not the first one on my show to actually say that, that you kind of learn all the things you did wrong those first 30 days. Yeah. So uh, some people who are only doing 30 – now, is there a drawback to 60 days? Because I've talked about on my show that I think there is, but you've gone through a project now. Is there a drawback to 60 days? There's, there's a couple. I think that one, it gives people time to kind of ruminate on it and decide. Re reconsider? Yeah, maybe maybe I should put that money somewhere else. Or it gives them so much time to kind of start nitpicking each detail right, to right. where it, the, some of the hype kind of wears off. And then they start reading everything and wanting to know more. And you kind of miss that window of just, you know, excitement to get people in. The second one is you just get tired. It's long. <laughs> like it's 60 days is a long time to constantly be on it. In your case though, that 60 days uh, spanned uh, 
two holidays, right? When, Four if you count. So New Year's, Christmas. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And, um, and Hanukkah. Martin, well, and Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, I've actually found that weekends were the worst time like that's usually when i would plateau is on the weekend nobody's looking at it and i had four three-day weekends <laughs> that's uh yeah. <laughs> yeah make a note of that uh all right so that would be a challenge let's go back now to your uh one of the biggest challenges that you faced was deciding on your pledge levels and your rewards yes okay um so i did early backers so explain early backers. Basically, I was trying to generate a number early on that was at least 10 or 20% of the goal to make it look, at least appear that people were interested by giving them such a cut rate deal. Um, and for the wins, actually doing something like this, I'm interested to see. Right, the folks at Tasty Mitchell Games, we're going to have them on the show, uh, uh, one of the episodes here coming up. We have an interview with them, I think, tomorrow. To find out, because they're doing it, they're doing it a massive scale. Yeah, hunt I think seven hundred and fifty. I think they're up to with basically almost just pre-order, lost leader type uh, orders to get to get the numbers in. So that's what you did, but on a much smaller scale, right? I started off with twenty international and twenty domestic, and I think I've scaled that down to thirteen and four, thirteen and five right now. So. What good, bad, do it again, never do it again? I wouldn't do it. I think it it's created a lot of confusion. That's part of the problem I've had with some of the rewards. I've just made them too complicated. You know, I'm I keep trying to add stuff and make it cooler and better, but as soon as you do that you lose the simplicity of here's your reward, here's what you get, give me some you know, this amount and, and it's an even trade. Um, I started adding, you know, all the stretch rewards, you know, two Two games for thirty dollars, but then if you go to this level on Tuesday, you know, it's right. like forty-five. You know, so it, it just got really complicated really quickly. I'd stay away from that. And then, uh, so what did you end up giving away that worked, and what did you give away that didn't work? Um, that's tough to say because the art prints I thought were a really good deal, and not a single person took me up on it really yeah i well, the art i think is one of the the driving forces of the game i think it is it's, it's cool art and and the fact that nobody was interested in, in picking up a piece of <laughs> it's kind of kind of uh discouraging and, and interesting that they weren't interested in that but then they were they were all over the mini expansions and even the the custom dice um seemed to generate more interest it, almost more so than giving away free copies of the game because you did that. You decided to, uh, one of the things here towards the end of your campaign, you uh, would, bumped your rewards. So explain a little bit about what you did there. For which level? For the, you started giving away two copies instead of just one? Yeah, I, I realized that with the manufacturing cost, once, pretty much my biggest cost was going to be shipping. Like once I got to a certain number. Shipping was the most expensive thing. Shipping from China, shipping to the customer? Well, both. So first I had to ship it from China to here, and then I would have to ship each one of them. And then that was a whole other you know, issue with fulfillment because then I'd have to go out and find shipping supplies and start printing off labels and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you look at that, that's going to be $5, $10 local. And then, right. you know, probably 15, 20 bucks. So I'm hoping 15 or 20 bucks because that's what I budgeted for. Okay. <laughs> um, international. And then uh, when you 
you add another game, it really doesn't change that number too much as long as you're doing your packaging correctly. Got it. Okay, so shipping, and but there was a giveaway. You've told me that, okay, you're going to stay away from that next time. Yeah, I, I think someone said this before, and T-shirts is just a bad idea. T-shirts are a bad idea. Why? Um, for one, not everybody's the same size. And so if you're going to order T-shirts, when you first look at it, you're saying like, oh, maybe I'll sell 100 or 200 T-shirts, and maybe I can get those at $5 each. But that's $5 each if they're all the same size and they're all the same style. But then people want preferences as far as if it's, you know, a male or a female or a unisex or some people want different colors. And it's just, it's one of those things that's just impossible to make everybody happy. Okay. So, uh... You've got to be pleased. You've, you, you're at the end of 60 days. We're down to the last few hours. You've got your money. You've got 260 backers. Now everybody asks, this basically arrives at this stage if with a successful game because you're going to – how many are you going to print up with $13,000? What's your print run going to be? I'm still looking um, what I'm going to do. I'm actually looking at a lot higher numbers than I originally anticipated because when I first went into this, I was thinking I'm going to do a print run. I'm going to go ahead and, and give those away, and then whatever I've got left basically goes into the garage and right. stays there. And now I've started uh, talking to other people about fulfillment and not having to worry about that aspect of the business. Because that becomes a, key, a critical piece, right? Because the traditional fulfillment, trying to take your game now to a traditional publisher, you really aren't, I think, interested in doing that, right? No, I never was. I, I'm very much a control freak when it comes to that kind of stuff. So. Okay. But there, you do recognize now that you're going to go find yourself, and you probably, you've, I know you have been talking to other people to look at how to do that fulfillment for you. Yeah, yeah, it's um, something I'm interested in if I can basically outsource it. Right. But it was never in my initial um, plans to, to actually distribute the game. Okay. Well, it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been a long, yeah, it's been two months. It's been out there forever. I've tracked it on Purple Pawn on my weekly roundup, and every week, and. Uh, you know, for a while you were just kind of cruising along. I think the first time that you and I spoke, you were still below twenty five hundred dollars. I think uh, you were kind of wondering what you needed to do to push it past that. Yeah, I think it was at twenty five hundred the first thirty days, and then um, January first, I think, was really the the point where I watched the spike. It just took off. Yeah. Um, so I think right around that time, it was around three and a half grand. So I guess about ten thousand dollars since then. Ten thousand dollars in the last couple of weeks, which isn't which isn't a bad way to to raise money. No. Okay. Well, uh, we're uh, out of time, and so I want to thank Eric for coming into the studio, the Funding the Dream studio. We've got it uh, set up. It's a little bit little bit different configuration for the two of us. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, listening to Eric and the challenges and the and the success that he's had. It's been a fun show. It's been a fun uh, project to watch. Uh, it's going to be some interesting, you know, we'll have you back on the show to talk about as you move now, as you go through the manufacturing process and the fulfillment process, it'll be interesting to hear what additional challenges and, that you have to overcome to do that. Definitely. Okay. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. Now, hopefully you've been inspired by what Eric has shared with us. It's your turn. Go out, get your idea. Go out on Kickstarter and fund your dream. We'll be looking for your project. Let me know when you do it. You can reach me at rbliss at thegamewhisperer.com. Thank you very much for listening. Take care.